2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Anybody know the name of our series we're in right now? Disciple. Everybody say disciple. We're a people that are serious about discipleship. 2 Timothy 2, 2 gives a, a great model. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The Apostle Paul is laying out his process for discipleship. I'm Paul. I've taught you, Timothy, certain things. I want you to teach others what I've taught you. Then they will teach others what I have taught you. He's talking about a four-generation succession plan. And what, a, what the, the premise of this is, is this is discipleship. And I don't know about you, but I want my family, in fact, the, the theme of the women's conference was legacy. You know what legacy is? It's just a maybe more contemporary word for discipleship. If you disciple your family, you're going to have a legacy. If you disciple in your ministry, you're going to leave a legacy. If we do a good job here in Lahaina, years after we're all dead and gone, the legacy can continue because of discipleship. The work can continue in Kona, even if we never set foot there and establish, if we're pouring in, if we're discipling. Discipleship is powerful. It's why the ministry of Jesus still works today, 2,000 years after the man has gone to sit at the right hand of the Father. Think about that. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning about, uh, about, about discipleship. Amen. Lord, we just do. We just ask that you would smile and move upon this word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction that you give to us through your word, the example that you set uh, through your own life, Jesus. And I pray that we would learn from you. Help us in the realm of discipleship. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody say, amen, amen. You may be seated. Just to, to review very quickly some of the topics we've covered in week one, you can go back. I think these are all on Facebook. It's on YouTube. Uh, uh, and uh, we've talked in week one about how Jesus, uh, we talked about the Jesus model of discipleship, how one man took 12, he turned those into 72, he turned that into 500, and then 3,000. And, I mean, about around that time, they start stopped losing, they started they stopped being able to count how many disciples they had. We talked about what Jesus did. He demonstrated. Does anybody remember these points? I'll, I'll be so impressed if you remember. He demonstrated. He Does anybody remember the next thing he did? He, he equipped, he empowered his disciples, and then he taught them. He demonstrated, meaning Jesus is like, hey, watch me heal the sick. Watch me cast out devils. Watch me preach good news. Watch me love the unlovable. And then he empowered his disciples. Now you guys go and do these things. You go and cast out devils. You go and heal the sick. You saw me multiply food. Now you multiply food. And then he would teach them, let me instruct you. Here's why this worked. Here's why the demon came out. Here's why the demon didn't come out. This is the kind of faith that's required. This is what you lack. And he would teach them. He would correct them and instruct them. And then we talked about how as a good disciple, each and every one of us must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. That's a hard message. I'm not even going to try and dig into that again. And then last week, here's the main premise of what we covered last week. We talked about living a life worth imitating. 
As the Apostle Paul said on at least four occasions, imitate me or follow me as I follow Jesus. And so we talked about how as a disciple maker, our life should constantly model worship. Our, this, is the, this is what some of you guys said. Our life should model service, right? Jesus said, you saw me, how I wash your feet, how I serve you. Now you go and serve others. You want to be first? If you want to be great in life, you must be a servant of everybody. And then the last thing he said was you model witnessing. As my Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So this is really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the sending. Send disciples. Everybody say send disciples. So we talked about the Jesus model of discipleship, how we make disciples, how we are to be a good disciple. Now we're going to send disciples. And uh, I was having an interesting talk with my brother, Jeremy. If you know him, he's a, he's a minister in our church, and he ministers in Hana. And I'm so proud of him. This last week they had 70, what was it, 72 in East Maui. I mean, if you guys know, Hana... You guys have all made the ride, drive to Hana, haven't you? I mean, it's a, that's a bit of a haul. They do that every Sunday. They leave at about 4 in the morning so they can get over there, so they can get prayed up, so they can get set up. And, uh, and man, people are showing up. In fact, uh, uh, we heard a testimony. Uh, you, you need to watch this, Jeremy. Uh, we heard a testimony. I haven't even had a chance to tell you. But uh, there was a, a pastor in our church who was selling some weight equipment. And this family shows up. And a pretty rugged looking family, but there was this young man who just looked out of place in the family. I mean, like, have you ever seen somebody like this? It's like, man, everybody's got this darkness, but there's one guy that's just like, you can tell the Holy Spirit is on their life. You can tell, like, man, there's been a redemptive work in this guy. He looked like he could have been adopted from another family, I guess. And so uh, I don't even know who the family was, but, uh, but this is just how it was being told to me. And so they show up at the door, and they, they recognize immediately, man, this guy's been born again. What's going on with him? And uh, they start talking about how they go to a church. And really, what church do you go to? And they said, we go to King's Chapel, Hana. And, uh, man, he was so excited. Every time he was talking about how every time the door is open, he's there, and he just loves Minister Jeremy and has done a great work. But, uh, you know, as awesome as the testimony is, my brother was just having an honest conversation with me, and he says, you know, I feel like, you know, I feel like someone took me out of a kiddie pool, and they just threw me right into the middle of the ocean. Good luck, buddy. You know, he's, this is his first full-time ministry. Uh, uh, this is the first pastorate he's ever taken, and it was just like, you know, he got a prophetic word. I caught wind of it. Dr. Morocco caught wind of it. Like, great, let's give him Hana, and just, here you go, buddy, and uh, just throw him in. You know, how many of you have ever felt like that? concerning the will of God. It's just like, what have I been thrown into? Oh, my goodness. But you know what's so neat about that is only God gets the glory. When people like this young man, I don't even know his name, but when people like him are being impacted and lives are being changed and 72 are showing up uh, to a service in Hana, only God gets the glory for that. Amen? And so, so, you know, the question comes, how does a mama bird know when it's time to kick the bird out of the nest? You ever think about that? How does, a, and I'm not talking about, you know, 
30-year-olds who are still living with their parents. That's not what I'm talking about today. But I'm talking, what? Well, you know, a nest is a great place. I, I heard a preacher say this. I can't even remember where, but a, a, a nest is a great place to grow, but you'll never fly in a nest. And there comes a time where you've been grown and you've been nurtured and you've been fed, and it's time now to be sent. Everybody say sent. And this is, this is the premise for today. And so I'm, I'm really coming from two perspectives because I've talked about how we are all to be disciples, right? Everybody say be disciples. That means you're receiving from somebody. Somebody's pouring into you. You're growing. You're learning, right? You're in a life group. You're paying attention to the sermon. You're, you're, you have a mentor in life. You have a mentor in business. You have a mentor in marriage. Whatever it is, we're all being discipled ultimately We all must be disciples of Jesus. That will never change. But there comes a time where each and every one of us are sent. And it's time for us to get kicked out of the nest, and it's time to fly. It's time to spread our wings and do what the Lord has asked us to do. However, there's another perspective I want us to be mindful of. Each and every one of us also has a responsibility to make disciples. Everyone say make disciples. There ought to be people that you are producing something of value in their life. I watched Mr. Rogers last night, and he was talking about how I love you the way that you are. You were created very special, and uh, and says you have something to give other. And I'm like, Mr. Rogers is preaching my sermon. I'm like, really. You have something of value, every single one of you. Some of you have wonderful marriages. Some of you were incredible parents. Some of you are wise with finances. Some of you are servants to servants. Some of you are, are incredible leaders. Some of you are wonderful, uh, you know, you have incredible faith to release the miraculous. Some of you are wonderful with children. Whatever it is, there are gifts, there are abilities in every single person within the sound of my voice. Release that in somebody else. Teach somebody else how to do those things. And then there's going to be a time, and this is a scary moment. Can I just tell you, it is a scary moment when you release somebody. It's like, okay, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you, I'm teaching you. Now it's time to send you. Now it's time to release you to actually do. Okay, I've, I've taught you this whole world of business and whatnot. Now it's time for you to start your own company. Now it's time for you to move out of the house and pay your own bills, right? Now it's time for you to not attend my life group anymore. Now it's time for you to go start your own life group. And you want to know what's scary about this is when you release disciples, you're giving them the opportunity to mess up. You give them the opportunity to embarrass you, right? They say something weird, and they're like, wait a second, didn't you come out of Minister Rylin's life group, uh, you know, it just, you know. <laughs> it's scary to release disciples. It's scary to send disciples. But there was, there was a couple things that I, I feel like are very important. And you'll notice that Jesus, as, uh, as after he has been resurrected, there were a number of things that he did as he was preparing to leave, and now he's sending his disciples. And so listen, three things that we need if we are going to be sent disciples, 
as well as if we are going to send disciples. Are, are you trekking with me so far? Okay, we're going to send disciples, but we are also sent. There's three things that are very, very important for us uh, to have an understanding of. Three things Jesus made sure his disciples had before he sent them. And the first one we'll see in Luke chapter 24, in verse 45, Luke 24, in verse 45. You don't have to turn there. It's just one verse, and I'll read this to you. Jesus now, just so you understand where we're at in this storyline, Jesus has just been resurrected. He has appeared to a number of disciples. Uh, He appeared in the upper room. There were at least 10 there. On another occasion, he appeared to 500. And he's appearing to his disciples. But here is the last meeting. And he begins to explain to them how he's Uh, how he fulfilled the prophetic words that were over his life. He fulfilled the Old Testament. And this is what he said, Luke 24, 45. He opened their understanding that they may comprehend the Scriptures. Jesus opened their understanding that they may comprehend the Scriptures. I'm going to read it again. Out of the passion, okay? If you've ever had trouble understanding, I read the Bible, it's confusing. I listen to the preacher, it's confusing. This is what we ought to pray. Luke 24, 45. This is a passion. It says, he supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. He supernaturally, uh, could you imagine? Maybe you're here, and I know that I'm speaking to people like, I know there's people within the sound of my voice right now that you read the Bible and it's confusing to you. You hear the preacher and you're just like, you're you're not trekking with it entirely. Pray that God would supernaturally unlock your mind, supernaturally unlock your understanding to comprehend the Scripture. How many of you want to understand the Bible that you read? How many of you want to get something out of the preacher? Hallelujah. I'm I'm with you. Uh, uh, Pray that God unlock your understanding. So here's the first thing. A sent disciple must have Jesus. This is the point. You can write this down. Jesus unlocked minds to understand the Bible. Jesus unlocked his disciples' minds to understand the Bible. And, and, and I'll just tell you, if you are sending disciples or if you are being sent as a disciple, if you don't have any of the three points that I'm about to present this morning, you will fail. I'm just telling you, you will fail. If you don't have a foundation in an understanding of Scripture, you could be the most charismatic and have the most attractive kind of personality. But if you waver in your foundation on the word of God, I tell you, the disciples that you produce in your ministry will be faulty. We must have an understanding of the Bible. And Jesus, this is encouraging, Jesus can supernaturally unlock your mind to understand the Bible. Oh, man, I want more of this. I pray for this. There's a, there's a practical level, okay? There's a natural level. We need to be students of the Word. You need to sit down and actually read your Bible and get you a Bible with some footnotes in it. 
or download a, you know, Blue Letter Bible or something like that where you can actually go through a study on the Scripture. It's very, there's a natural level. And Jesus, in the natural, in this very passage, explains to them, this is what the old prophet said. This is what Moses said. This is what the psalm says. And guess what? I did it. So he's teaching them on a very practical level. But then there was a supernatural unlocking because the Bible says in Luke 9, 45, there was a time where all of the disciples were dull in their understanding. How many of you want to be dull in your understanding? Okay, I'll just, that was a test. I was seeing if you're paying attention. All revelation comes from God. You'll see with Lydia, you can read about her in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says she got saved, and this is the reason why. Because God opened her understanding to comprehend Scripture. So she ends up getting saved, and not only that, she becomes the primary funder of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And so listen, this is a good strategy. If you're praying for people to get saved, pray that God would open their mind to comprehend the Word of God. Pray. That's what happened. The Apostle Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, and the Bible says they were cut to the heart as the Word of God was presented. What happened? God opened their mind. He opened their heart to hear really what the Bible was saying. Jesus said one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit was that he would be a teacher to us. John 16, 13. The Bible says that when Peter had a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Son of God, uh, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. What I'm trying to express is the Father God, the Holy Spirit. This is where revelation comes from. If you want revelation, understanding of the Word of God, we need to ask God to give that to us. It's very simple. One of my favorite verses, in fact, this is a daily prayer of mine. I pray this all the time. You've probably heard me pray. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he says a couple verses later in verse 19, enlightening or opening the eyes of our understanding. The Apostle Paul is literally playing, praying, God, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that perceives you. Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everyone say spirit of wisdom and revelation. Really, you ought to pray every day, Lord. Give me today the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Enlighten the eyes of my understanding. Open the, it's, it's a weird phrase if you really think about it. Open the eyes of my mind. What in the world does that mean? Open my spiritual eyes. Let me see and let me do, beyond my intellect, because we got some really smart people, even people who know the Bible, who are very far from God. But there are also some very Dull people, all of the apostles fit this category, uneducated, unlearned, but here they are, and the Lord opens their mind. And I tell you, if you read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, if you read 1st and 2nd Peter, I mean, I just tell you, man, I get, I, I'm really surprised when I read the books of 1st and 2nd Peter. You don't know why. Every time I read about Peter, this guy's putting his foot in his mouth. 
You know what I'm talking about? He's always, like, he'll say something brilliant. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And next thing you know, he's saying something that makes Jesus rebuke him to his face. Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're a stumbling block to me. You know, and he's just, Peter, constantly, Jesus, I will never deny you. I'm going to be with you till the very end. And next thing you know, he's denying Jesus around the campfire in front of a little girl afraid. He's constantly, and I just think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've, I always had this impression of Peter, like, this guy is like, I don't want to speak bad about a saint, you know, I, but just, just this guy is thick, man. And, uh, but here, when you read First and Second Peter, for real, go read First and Second Peter. It's brilliant. It's mind-boggling. I read this, and I'm like, Wow, something happened to Peter when Jesus, I believe it happened right here, Jesus unlocked his understanding, his perception of the scripture. We need to pray, Jesus, do that for me. Open my understanding. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In fact, Ephesians 1, it says when that happens, you'll know who God is. Your spiritual eyes will be open. You'll have a sense of your calling. Listen, if you want to know what your calling in life is, pray, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It says you'll be rich in your inheritance that God has for you. Listen, there's a time where confidence will come into you and say, you know what? I deserve to have a house because that's part of my inheritance from God. I deserve to be healed in my body because Jesus has paid for it, and it's part of my inheritance. I deserve to have rich relationships because Jesus has made that available. I understand what my inheritance is. Now, some of you, you can hear me say that, maybe even get fired up. But then it comes time where I'm sick in my body. Uh... I know it worked for that guy over there, but I'm not sure right here. I know God can do that, but I'm not sure if God will do that. Anybody know? We all have that struggle. We all have that struggle at times. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to begin to move upon you because then it'll come. Then it's not just Pastor Jacob or Dr. Morocco or your favorite preacher that you heard say some clever idea, but truly the spirit of God. Jesus begins to unlock your mind and you say, you know what? I understand now because of the Holy Spirit, because of what the Father God, because of what Jesus Christ is speaking in me. I know the inheritance that I have. It also says you'll know the power of God that works in those who believe. And so listen, if you ever struggle to know who is God, or if you even question God's existence, pray. God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you, if you lack spiritual eyes, you don't understand scripture, or even a discernment factor, it's like other people say, wow, I feel God moving, but you just, you're, you're oblivious to that. How come, how come Sonia's crying during this time of ministry, and I'm sitting here, and I'm not feeling anything. Pastor Jacob says he feels fire, and she's being moved upon, and I see others, and I don't feel anything. Don't be discouraged. Pray that God would open your spiritual eyes in understanding. 
It might just be a perception thing like, Lord, I want to be discerning like that. I want to be moved upon by your spirit. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to know your call for my life, God. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I don't want to struggle to know that God is my provider, that these promises are for me. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. It goes on and on. You just you dissect those first few verses in Ephesians 1, 17, 18, 19. Absolutely incredible. And so we pray, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So the very first thing that we must have if we're being sent as disciples or we're sending others, we need to make sure that our understanding of Scripture has been unlocked. Amen? Here's the second thing. Oh, this is a good one. The second thing I noticed that Jesus did as he was preparing to send out his disciples, and I said, if we lack any of these three things, we will fail in our life, in our ministry. We will, we will be hard-pressed. Here's the second thing. This is very important. Number two, Jesus was sure to tie up loose ends. Jesus was sure to tie up loose ends. Or you could write this down. I have this in parentheses on my second point. End well, transition well. End well and transition well. You know, transitions are never easy. When it's time to move out of a ministry, maybe God's calling you, you know, I'm moving and it's time for me to leave the church. It's time for me to leave my job. Uh, Maybe you become a boss where you've been an employee and now there's like this power struggle between you and people who didn't get a promotion. Or when it's time for your child uh, to move out of the house, uh, I'm dreading that day. Uh, when, When, you know, all of these things, you just consider transitions in life, changes in life, whether it's in the church, in the business realm, in your personal life, it's never easy. Very often feelings get hurt, betrayal can happen, jealousy, doubt, questioning God, questioning our faith, questioning the ministry. But two places where I see Jesus dealt with this, he saw this in a number of his disciples, and and one of them, very familiar story, we remember, in fact, I just mentioned it a moment ago, Peter denied Jesus. But before Jesus was going to send his disciples, he had to make sure that Peter was restored. You denied me three times. In fact, there's, a, there's some really, really neat parallels. If you look about it, if you look at it, you'll remember that, uh, uh, that, uh, that they have this conversation where Peter is denying Jesus and he's standing by a campfire. And what happens is he denies Jesus three times as he's standing there by a campfire. Now you fast forward, Jesus has been resurrected. He has indeed denied him, and he feels like, boy, he's just failed miserably. In fact, he goes back to fishing. But then Jesus shows up on the beach next to a campfire. It was almost like he's recreating this scenario, and he asks Peter to come over, and he allows Peter the opportunity to affirm his faith and his love for Jesus three times. You denied me three times, I'm going to let you, in front of these witnesses, profess your faith and your love for me. Jesus was tying up loose ends. He wanted to be sure that Peter didn't try and launch into this thing while he was wounded, having denied Christ, feeling rejected, whatever it is. So Jesus restored him. Another great example 
is before Jesus sent his disciples, um, this is the story of Thomas. And this, to me, is one of the most incredible stories. You understand, he didn't believe uh, that Jesus had resurrected. He didn't believe that Jesus has ap- had appeared initially. And it, I think it's sad. I, I, I make this mention often, but how we call Thomas doubting Thomas. Here's a guy who has one moment of weakness, but uh, in my opinion, and I'm going to show this to you, Thomas had some of the strongest faith of all of the disciples. In fact, you might remember there was a time in John 11, in John 11, 16, Jesus has told his disciples for the first time, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. And it was Thomas who steps forward boldly and says, Lord, We will go with you, and I will die with you. Nobody else said that, but Thomas, bold faith, willing to go. I'll go with you, and I will die with you. But people don't call Thomas bold Thomas. They don't call him, uh, they don't call him uh, whatever, strong in the faith Thomas. We call him doubting Thomas. And I just, the Bible never calls him doubting Thomas, and I I don't care to call him that much either. Because the fact of the matter is, I, I think it's really easy for us. We label people by their mistakes. We label them by their failure. Oh, this guy, you know, he's a liar. Oh, this guy, he's an adulterer. This guy's an addict. This guy is a, oh, he's an abusive parent. Oh, this guy's got a temper problem. This guy, and we, we take a mistake. We take a sin. We take a shortcoming in somebody's life, and that's just, oh, that's who they are. I want to call people what Jesus calls people. You understand when we, when we label people that way, the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And so we got to understand when we call, I mean, who would be calling Thomas doubting Thomas? Because Jesus, you'll see, restores him. I feel like it's the condemnation of the enemy that puts those kinds of things. And I want to be sure that I have God's words that are coming out of my mouth and not the devil's accusations. So Thomas... Let me just read this to you. This is a real sad story, okay? Look at, look at what happens. In John chapter 19, just listen to this. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That's a bad day to miss church, I'm just telling you, okay? <laughs> Jesus himself shows up. Everybody's there but Thomas, poor guy. He's probably, he was at Starbucks, okay? That, that was the one day I'm going to sleep in and watch football, right? And he misses it. And the disciples said, we have seen the Lord. And he says this, the Thomas responds, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and I put my finger into his side, I will not believe. This is what Thomas said. This is his mistake, okay? Eight days later, the disciples are all together. Jesus appears. The Bible says that every door was closed, but Jesus immediately appears kind of out of nowhere right in their midst. And he says, peace be to you. And he steps over to Thomas. And he offers him his hand. He says, give me your finger. Literally, you read it. He says, offer me your finger. Feel the scars in my hands. Take your hand here. Put it in my side. The Apostle Thomas, 
immediately falls on his knees. Doesn't, so far as we know, doesn't actually go so far as to put his finger in his side. Maybe he does. The Bible doesn't say. But the Bible says that he falls on his knees, he begins to worship Jesus, and he gives the strongest declaration about Jesus in all of Scripture. He says, my Lord and my God. The first time in a single phrase, and not only has the lordship, but also the deity of Jesus Christ been expressed, and it comes from doubting Thomas. My Lord and my God. Absolutely incredible. You know what Jesus is doing? He is tying up loose ends. He's making sure that before I leave, boys, I want you to know, Thomas, Thomas, I'm not going to hold that unbelief against you. Peter, I'm not going to hold that denial against you. I'm going to tie up loose ends. I'm going to make sure we're not offended at each other. I'm going to make sure we're not broken with one another. I'm going to make sure you're not going to go into this next season insecure thinking this is going to fail because I have failed. This is what Jesus does. He ties up loose ends. He's restoring people. And I just want to encourage you, church, we need to be sure to transition well. We need to be sure to end well. It's never fun when you send a spiritual son or daughter to go and do what you taught them to do. What do I mean by that? It's difficult. I'll tell you, uh, the first church that my wife and I pastored, When we left that church, we handed it over to somebody that I had poured into for a number of years, and the attendance declined. And there was a a sense of comfort. I'm just being honest with you. There was a sense of comfort like, wow, I'm kind of glad that it didn't do a lot better after I left. You know, I just, uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? This is not right. But that was my honest thought. I'm like, boy, if this thing would have just exploded after I left, then I would feel real crummy, you know? But the last church that we were in, my wife and I, we started a, a service in a, in a very large church in Dallas, a Saturday night service, and we led that. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was a powerful time. And we poured into and we equipped a number of leaders. Many of them, most of them are all still serving there today. And, uh, and we handed the reins over to another pastor, great man of God. And uh, you know what? They've taken that thing to the next level. I mean, it's, it's not quite, but it's almost doubled since the time that we were there uh, now almost four years ago. And I look at that, and there's moments where I'm like, really? Like, why didn't those guys come when I was there, you know? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need, to, we need to be sure to check ourselves because, you know, I can either choose to rejoice. You know what? I got to help lay the foundation for what God is doing there. I got to raise up those leaders. I got to disciple those leaders. And if I would receive it, I actually have a part in the inheritance in what God is doing there in Dallas still to this day. Or I can get jealous and insecure and whatever and say, well, why not me? You know, why, why, why are they better than me? Are they more anointed than me? And I tell you, all of us can feel that way. All of us can feel that way. But Jesus, his commission to his disciples is he sent them, you're going to do greater works than me. You want to know what the sign of a good disciple maker is? Is that those that you're producing end up doing greater things than what you did. I've worked past it. I really do. I rejoice in Pastor Tommy. I rejoice in what they're doing at Trinity. I really do. I I celebrate them, and I really don't feel jealousy. Part of it is because I love so much what I'm doing right now. 
But I tell you, there's going to be a time where, where each and every one of us, we, we release somebody to do something that we once cared about or maybe something we're still active in and rejoice when they do better. I'm praying for the day that Dusty's a better preacher than I am. Believing for Kaleo and Rylan and Minister Cowie and some of these that I, I get to rub shoulders and minister alongside with and I, I get to disciple on some level. I, 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 I will rejoice when you guys are more anointed and better preachers and more fruitful than, than I am. And we should all feel that way. Jesus was sure to tie up loose ends. And one thing that I will say, and we'll move on to the last point here, but the Bible gives us very clear instruction that even uh, if at all possible, Romans 12, 8 says, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. And there may be things that even as we move from one season to the next one, ministry to the next one, church to the next, we transition jobs, uh, uh, we release our children to go into the world, whatever it may be, those transitions that we face in life. If you realize that there's an offense or there's some hard feelings or there's some unforgiveness or something there, you do your part to be reconciled. If Jesus went to Peter, if Jesus went to Thomas to make sure they were restored, to make sure. I mean, he said flat out, Peter, you are an offense to me. There was an offense there, but Jesus made sure to see that thing restored before he went to his Father in heaven. And if Jesus felt it was important, in fact, in Matthew 5, it even, Jesus gives us instruction. If you are worshiping in the house of God, and there you remember that, that there's an offense, somebody's offended at me, he says, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled. That's a hard thing to do. But what I want to know, and I've, I've had many times where I've had to do this, I know someone's upset with me. And sometimes it's because I did something wrong, and sometimes it's because they're just dumb, Right? And, um, but I make sure that if somebody is offended with me, I, I really do. I make sure and I go to them. In fact, I remember the first months after we had left our church in Illinois, I was making phone calls. I'd be in a place of prayer, and all of a sudden, God would bring back something to my heart. I'd be like, yeah, we had hard words before I left. And so I would call up that family, and I'd just be like, listen, you know, I, I, I remember we had this conversation before we left. Will you forgive me? I just want to make sure that we're right and we can both move forward with a clean conscience, not upset with each other. And Those are hard conversations to have, but they're important. And I'm telling you, if we don't tie up loose ends, church, it will, it will trip you up in your life and your ministry moving forward. I had people that I was rotten to in high school. And I remember the first years I was in ministry. I was, if I had their number, I'd call them. If not, I'd try and find their email or send them something on MySpace. Do you guys remember MySpace? That was social media, the first, the first kind. And, and I'd send them a MySpace message and like, man, I, I remember we had this fight. We had this disagreement when we were in high school. And I just, I want you to know God's changed my life. Will you forgive me for the way that I spoke to you, for the thing that happened between us? It's very important. So we tie up loose ends. We, we, we forgive. We be reconciled. But I, I like what Paul says. Did you catch this? This is really important for you to hear. Romans 12, 18. I'll read it to you again. Paul said, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. You know what that tells me? It will not be possible. Some people are impossible to live at peace with. <laughs> 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I see you grinning, and you maybe you feel bad about saying, there are some people that they, they just want to be offended. They just want to fight. They want to, in fact, I've had people that I've come to intending to compliment them, and all of a sudden they're just like fighting back. Man, if at all possible, here's what it is. You just make sure you do your part. Okay, if you do your part, you go, I made an effort, I repented, I apologized, I asked them, I tried to be reconciled to them. They don't want to have a part of it. At least you can walk away knowing that you did your part in it, right? Okay, here's the last one. Here's the last one. Oh, this is, the, this is a good one. This is my favorite one right here. Let's review before I tell you what my favorite one is. First of all, first of all, you can wait five seconds, okay? Uh, first of all, Jesus, uh, he... He unlocked minds to understand the Bible. He unlocked minds. And just so you know, we're going to pray for that in just a moment. I'm going to lay hands, uh, I'm gonna, and we're going we're gonna to believe that God would unlock. Our, I want my mind unlocked. Okay, we're going to pray that spirit of wisdom. Second of all, he made sure to tie up loose ends. He ended well. He transitioned well in, in the ministry, in discipleship. And so we need to be sure that we also tie up loose ends. We're reconciled to uh, those who need to. And here's the last one. The last one, Jesus was sure they were filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was sure that they were filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. As Jesus sent his disciples, he wanted to make sure that they were filled and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll see this in John chapter 20. Again, these are last words to his disciples. This is the last time he's sitting with them. And he says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And in Luke, in the same conversation, Jesus says, behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, but tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He made two statements about the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. As Jesus breathes out, we are to breathe in. We receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, wait in Jerusalem, tarry, until you are endued with power from on high. I'm sending the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. Now, some people put these two together, and, and, and if it's complicated for you to remember, then you can simplify the point and just say, be filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? But let me just tell you, there, there are two distinct relationships that we are supposed to have with the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Holy Spirit in you. And when the Holy Spirit is in you, his primary job is to teach you and to convict you. I mean, really, that's what Holy Spirit does. And he'll convict you of sin, the Bible says, John 16. He'll convict you of righteousness. Hey, not only is this wrong, but you can live right. 
And he'll convict you. He'll give you power to live right. And then I love the last part. He says he'll convict us of judgment. Not our judgment, but the judgment of the devil. Listen, your enemy's already been defeated. And Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that. As we receive the Holy Spirit inside of us, Holy Spirit begins to minister to us. He speaks to us. He teaches us. He empowers us. And it's a wonderful thing. We all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But then in Acts chapter 2, the promise that Jesus was talking about, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. The Bible says that they were baptized. You know what baptized is? It's not filled. Baptized, think about what happens when you are baptized in water. If you're drinking baptism water, you're doing it wrong. Okay? When you're baptized, you get dunked in the water, you come out, and you're sopping wet from head to toe. That's, and here's the picture. One is being filled. That's the breath of God. Jesus breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in me. It's convicting. It's speaking. It's teaching. But when we are baptized, literally covered, we are saturated in the Holy Spirit. And that is for the purpose of ministry. It's the power to be a witness. That's why the Holy Spirit comes upon us, so that when we extend our hands that lives can be healed. When we when we release the prophetic or when we when we work miracles or whatever it may be, but that's the Holy Spirit on us and all around us. I hope that everywhere I go that I just like got Holy Spirit dripping off of me. You know what I'm talking about? And everywhere we go, where his hand is, what we've been praying about earlier, where his hand extended, our voice is his mouthpiece uh, being released. Our, our feet are taking us into places of darkness where others are afraid to go. That's the Holy Spirit on us. And so Jesus was sure. Minister Ryland, will you come? We're closing. Jesus was sure that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so let me just, if you lack any of those three things, if you don't have an understanding of the Scripture, your foundation is going to be faulty. You will not last long in this walk with the Lord. If you don't learn how to reconcile, how to get right in certain situations, if you don't learn how to uh, transition well, how to end well, how to send people out with a blessing and not with jealousy or anger, if you can't learn to do that, you're going to struggle in this walk. The third thing is we must be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. Wow, why don't you stand in this place? The first thing I want to deal with here before we, before we pray, and we're going to lay hands in a moment. And we're just we're going to ask very simply that God would unlock our understanding of the Scripture. It's going to be neat. I really believe that God's going to transform certain lives. That, well, you're going to read this word, and it's going to be like, wow. It's going to come alive to you in a way that it never, ever has before. But Jesus even said, gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. 
Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then he says that if we don't learn to forgive other people their sins, then he will not forgive us our sins. Teaches us powerful concepts in prayer. But he says you have to learn to forgive. You have to release people. With every head bowed, every eye closed, before we lay hands, before we pray that God would send us as great, powerful disciples, do you have loose ends that need to be tied up? Do people have offenses towards you? Are you harboring unforgiveness towards anybody? What I'm going to ask is, we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us. We're going to ask him to wash us and cleanse us. Not only of unforgiveness, but all sin. He'll wash it all away. But I'm also going to ask that the Lord would speak to us. That if there are people that we need to make peace with, that there are people that we need to be reconciled to, that person will come to our mind. And this is difficult. But I want to encourage you, as the Lord brings that person to your mind, you're going to contact them this week. I would encourage you to do it today. Don't wait. You're going to contact that person. And you're just going to say, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? I don't want anything to be there. It'll trip you up if we don't deal with it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many of you would say, you know, Pastor, maybe you're here and you want to be sure that your sins are forgiven. You say, include me in your prayer. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I think there's some loose ends that I need to tie up. I, I feel like, man, there's somebody I need to forgive or there's an offense there. Maybe I, you have forgiven them, but they're offended at you and you want to see that made right. How many of you, just by showing of hands, nobody looking around, but you say, one or more of those things fit my heart. Would you include me in your prayer? Would you just lift up your hand? Yeah, 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 yeah. So many, so many. Well over half. I, I want to lead us in this moment of prayer. Would you just pray out, right out loud with me all across this room? Would you pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me. And Lord, as you forgive me, I choose to forgive others. Those who've done wrong, those who've said wrong, those who've hurt me, I release them from the penalty of guilt. I forgive them. And I ask you, Lord, speak to me. Is there anybody that there's offense with? Is there anybody that there's unforgiveness with? I ask you, Lord, speak to me. Bring it to my remembrance. Show me a picture. And give me the strength to connect with that person and to be reconciled. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now,
You might be surprised. Some of you, you may be in a scenario, and I've had this before, where I never see that person. I haven't been in touch with that person for 20 years. If you don't, it, truly and honestly, if you don't know how to connect with a person that you feel like God may be saying, be reconciled in that relationship, here's what you do. You say, God, if you'll set up the opportunity for me to connect with them, I'll be obedient to be reconciled. Okay? And I've seen this happen. People I haven't seen for 15 years, I end up seeing at the gas station. I mean, just, just trippy kind of stuff. And so you just pray. And if, if it's like, yeah, I know there's something. I don't even know how to get in touch with them. I'm not friends with them. I, I don't have their number. Just pray that God give you the opportunity. Amen? Now, here's the last thing. I know uh, we're, we're a little beyond time. If you need to go relieve your kids, whatever. But I, I told you I was going to lay hands. And this is what I want to do. If you say, you know, Pastor, I want God to unlock my mind to comprehend Scripture. I want you to step out from where you're at, come down here. And we're going to pray that the Lord would do exactly that in your life. Most everybody, praise God. I'm, I'm going to believe. You got to believe as well. God's going to unlock your mind. He's going to unlock your understanding of the scripture. Supernatural revelation. You know how you're going to know if this works? <laughs> Go read your Bible. Yeah, because we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And, uh, and you're going you're gonna to go and you're going to begin to look. And it's like, whoa, I've never seen that before. Whoa, I never understood that before. But, but now, now all of a sudden I do. And so, uh, yeah, let's try and make a, a, a good line here. And uh, I'm, I'm going to ask, actually, if, uh, if Minister Cowie, I want you to pray for people as well in this. You've got a great understanding of, of the Scripture. And uh, um, my wife's going to be with me as we begin to pray. Uh, but we're just going to lay hands and you just believe for God to unlock minds, to, to comprehend Scripture. Uh, Cowie's a tremendous theologian. And uh, uh, boy, God, God has done that for him. And that's why I want him to pray for you as well. And so, uh, uh, Minister, do you got a song or something you could sing as we just, let's, let's just go after God for a moment. And let's pray that the Lord would open our understanding. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit, I ask you, breathe upon us. Breathe upon us all across this room. I want everybody to lift your hands all across this room. The Bible says that Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I believe that Jesus still breathes upon his people today. I'm going to ask Jesus to breathe on us right now. And if you would receive it, I believe the Lord would fill you. And he would baptize you with his Holy Spirit if we would but ask. Jesus, I ask you, the very same way you breathed on your disciples in the upper room, you said, receive the Holy Spirit. As my Father sent me, I am sending you. Now receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you breathe on us today? Breathe on us right now by your Holy Spirit. Come on, even right where you're at, I just want you to take a deep breath in. Just receive what Jesus is breathing into us even right now. Take a deep breath in. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, take another breath in right now. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive now the Holy Spirit. Jesus. I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus. Fill me and baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh, Lord. I want to be used by you. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what the Bible says? That if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he's a good father and he will give it to you. Believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. Wow. Has this been a blessing to you today? All right. So you've got you've got a couple assignments now. If you need to be reconciled, you might have to go send a message, make a call. But some of you here, hallelujah, go read your Bible. See what the Lord has unlocked for you. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much got refreshments outside. Make sure to stick around for coffee, whatever.